Hey guys, Cassandra McClure, Clean Beauty Show, sitting down with Joshua Halpern with Shopline. But he was here filming a luxury, vegan, sustainable brand in the fashion category. And I was next door talking with one of the other brands. And then I saw them filming and I was like, hey, who are you? And they were like, who are you? And we started talking. And now we're sitting down because we have so many synergies and we work with a lot of the same people. This industry is really small. If you're in it, you know. And so I just thought, wow, there's like so much value. I want to cross promote their company, everything they're doing because they're in that space of giving back and wanting to help people and brands grow. And so I just kind of wanted to get a feel from you. You can share your background, maybe have some of, you know, I have a lot of business owners that listen to the show, but a lot of consumers too. And so I think it'll be really interesting to just kind of see what comes of this and maybe do like a collab and a partnership in the future, because I think we've had a lot of crossovers already in the last five minutes we've been chatting. (laughs) Great. Thank you, Cassandra. It's really cool. Thanks for having me on the Clean Beauty Show. Uh, so really quick, I'm a, I used to be a U.S. diplomat, U.S. commercial service officer. I ran um, luxury beauty products entry into the China market, which is always interesting. Uh, did a lot of then cross-border e-commerce. One of the things that I found, and just to drop some nuggets of kind of input, cross-border when you're selling beauty products, often, especially into Asia and particularly in China, you get triggered with animal testing, you get triggered with certification issues. When you go cross-border direct, though, to the consumer, and from the perspective of the country, uh, the consumer assumes a risk, which means you don't have to do animal testing, you don't have to do a lot of the certifications you otherwise would if you go wholesale importation. So a little bit of nugget there, when you're going cross-border, you actually skirt a lot of the regulatory issues, so it's almost a non-starter if you have to go wholesale into certain markets because you have to then trigger animal testing, which of course in the US we are not in favor of. So there's a lot of interesting nuances when you go cross-border, that's where I specialize. Uh, And then of course I work uh, on an an initiative called the Grow Big Initiative in partnership with the Department of Commerce and the Small Business Administration to help companies understand how they can sell through multiple channels and geographies. And so Shopline, for example, is one of our sponsors and they help kind of companies build their site and build their multi-channel kind of fulfillment uh, through e-commerce, but also social commerce. Uh, yeah, that's a couple of things we're doing. We do, yeah. And so you were filming today sure. and, and you were basically doing an interview like what I'm doing here. So what, can you tell me a little bit about that and where that's going and sure. who's benefiting, who's listening, who's in yeah. that? It's a platform, is it a paid membership? Like give us all the details. Actually, it's called the Grow Big Initiative. It's found on growbig.org. And then if you go there, you'll look at our workshop login. We have a number of roadmaps we've created for free with industry leaders and partners. We also last night, for example, in LA, ran the Grow Global Open Mic Night, and we had big brands like Bole and Away Travel, but we had smaller brands like Kindtail and others, and it was really cool to get people in the room and say, hey, what are the challenges you're going through? And it's 100% all about education and departing knowledge, and it was really, it gives you chills because you're sitting there and you're seeing people who, in an alternative universe, might be competitive, but here, just as humans, they get together and they say, you know what I found, this really cool hack, and I use this, this chat GPT, but you know what, there's something better about this. It's really wonderful, and we do this around the country. We also do it virtually. We have open office hours because we found a lot of merchants, they say, well, it's great to trade me, but I'm not sitting down with my business and going through an hour and a half of a course. I'm, but, oh, you're gonna get on, I'm gonna open my laptop and you're gonna tell me specific things I have to do today, and I can click and get it done? Awesome, it's like kind of e-commerce therapy for uh, small businesses. And then we do a further engagement where we link actually interns in certain cases like Northern California, where we find interns, we train them on three things. 
We train them on Google Analytics 4, Meta Advertising, and Marketplace. And then that's all they do with these merchants. And this way it's about implementation, not just um, kind of education. Wow. Sorry, there's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> so, okay, let's, let's talk about the education part where you said, hey, you could even talk and come and be like a consultant. What is that all about? That's just, you know, in my case, I'm, I particularly have a unique skill set given my background in cross-border e-commerce. So I, I come on and I talk about kind of the, the main things you need to do uh, when it's uh, logistics, when it's regulatory issues, whether it's cross-border affiliate marketing, et cetera. Um, but then we bring other people that are really good at uh, domestic SEO and social media, social commerce, bringing them in to speak. And frankly, look, I mean, there's a lot of service providers out there if you want to call them. They'll give you five minutes of knowledge and then they'll try to sell you for the next, you know. I happen to have curated over the years people who are really just like, you know what, I'm happy to just depart my knowledge and if it happens that something works out great, but as a human being, regardless of where I work and who pays my bills, as a human being, I want to share my knowledge. And that's Yeah, I love that. Okay, so today, what was your primary goal at FounderMade? I want to understand if what the common challenges are and kind of cascading down to what, what are the common challenges we have to address on our open office hours, on our sessions, on our training. And frankly, what we've already found out, I mean, everybody has social media challenges. Everyone doesn't understand how they can use affiliates to really drive traffic. They don't know how to deal with influencers. Is it an influencer, a micro-influencer, or a creator? What the heck does that all mean? Yeah. That's kind of a common thing. And then there's also what platforms are we on? Every, a lot of people are on Shopify. Some people as we are on Shopline. Other people are on other platforms, Magento and BigCommerce. Regardless of the platform, if you're not using it properly, it's not going to do what it needs to do. Um, and some, of them, some people just decide I'm going to... A lot of people are just on the place where I just need the easiest thing. And if I have to give over a margin to a payments company, like, for example, Shopify that has a lot of its payments... Or at Amazon, fine. And other people are like, no, no, I want, I want to ratchet out every ounce of my margin. So I'm going to go do it myself or I'm going to just sell direct to retail. But, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Everybody's trying to figure out what's the balance between making it easy but keeping my margins. Okay. And you were mentioning that you've worked with some uh, beauty brands sure. and um, Paris Hilton's brand. Yes. Um, any other ones anyone might know listening to the show? Um, from, a, from a cosmetics perspective, I, we, we, we launched Lime Crime sort of into China. When I say we, I was running, at that time, it was called the Getting the Global Initiative. Now it's uh, the Grow Big Initiative. And we ran workshops in L.A. with Revolve, for example, if you know Revolve. I work a lot with Revolve internationally, so I help them do market research. We go together to Mexico and Dubai. Um, but when we did that, for example, we brought Lime Crime to connect with Revolve and used, they, Lime Crime used Revolve as a channel into China when they, before they had even launched and they really boosted their brand there and then they started to separate out. Uh, probably, I think they were bought by a PE firm and they were like, well, let's take a look at everything. Oh. I also launched Paris Hilton Skincare across border. So I, we launched Paris Hilton Skincare, which if you, you remember, because it's no longer around, uh, we were launching that into Europe and then we were also into Korea. A couple of quick funny notes if it's useful. Uh, in, for example, Germany, we discovered she has a really interesting and strong uh, group there. So we said, all right, we got to get into Germany, but we haven't yet optimized for cross-border. So we said, all right, let's create a pop-up. Everything else is in English. Let's create a pop-up on the site that's in German, welcoming people and saying free shipping for the next 60 days, free returns, etc. Cost us a lot of margin to do that because we actually didn't have, we couldn't ship products very cheaply when we didn't have volume, right? But we really did that to test the market and we found a lot of uptick and engagement and we realized, okay, there's a market where it may warrant putting, putting inventory closer to the market. In the case of Korea, 
they wanted whitening solutions, right? Whitening uh, is a big thing there. So we said, all right, if you're going to do whitening, we don't have we don't have we don't have the ingredients that we're and we don't have the market anywhere else. But the distributor said, okay, we'll do it. We're going to reformulate. So we reformulated about three of our products just in Korea for the Korean market with whitening and other solutions because they knew it was going to work. And we felt our end goal was China, but through aspirational shoppers that everyone wants K-Beauty, we decided let's go all in on Korea because it's going to trickle into our China market. So it was very interesting with that strategy. Very cool. Any, do you know why they might not have done well long term? Yes. I know. I know fairly well how, why they didn't. Some of them I won't talk about, but some of them I will. Um, when you position a brand uh, and you're going up essentially against Estee Lauder, when you look at the price point of what we were doing with Paris Hilton Skincare. It was higher or lower? It was the same as Estee Lauder. So a Paris Hilton eye serum for, I can't remember, I think we were at $75. Right. When you're simultaneously as Paris Hilton selling a perfume at $24 or a shoe, in certain markets that she probably licenses her brand, but she doesn't have control over some of those things in other markets. It's really hard to position the other parts of her brand when it's really a Paris Hilton brand uh, at a high price point. It was very hard to do that. Also, if you are going to engage with a celebrity, let's say, make sure they are contractually obligated to promote and work on the product. It is not enough and do not get overly excited because, oh, I guess I got this person who's gonna do it and she's so famous and she's gonna do it. I don't care what she wants, I'm gonna give it to her. What she wants, or he, is to simply give their name and walk away. They don't want to give any money. They think everything they do, and I'm not saying this is Paris. Let's That's, say this is universal. No, no, no totally. Um, but they usually don't want to do anything other than give their name. And if you're, it's still a startup, you still got a business to run. And so, they charge a fee for that, right? Yeah, well, yeah, in this case, we were the only brand that Paris actually had equity in because she actually licenses the perfumes and she licenses some of the other, um, her, I think her shoe wear. And I'm not saying this is Paris particularly. Uh, she was great. But, um, but it was just certain, I've noticed a lot of celebrities, we, we were doing something else with a couple other celebrities that you would know. And when we were trying to work through the numbers, they, some of them wanted, didn't want to put it in. Some of them were like, oh, I'll put $40,000, some ridiculous nominal fee because they felt their brand was much more valuable than it is when you have to run a company. And they don't have business skills, some of them. Paris does, of course, but some of them don't. And they think that they don't understand the numbers. So you sit down with them and you end up getting pitched off to their lawyers and your conversations are just the lawyers and the BD people and it's usually pretty rough and they isolate the celebrity from knowing what's really happening and you still got to run a business. And I, I do a video on, so I used to, I have a channel called The Van Ambassador as well. I travel around in a mobile video studio called The Van Ambassador. And I do you live in a van? I did live in a van for quite some time. <laughs> um, and you see it if you go to YouTube. And I've always wanted to do that. And I, I did it pre-COVID. Like a luxury RV, though. Yes. It, ours was like, I had a $150,000 kitted out nice. Sprinter van. I was a little too nice, because then when I had my son going in it, I was always like really concerned about that. But I was- <laughs> Why? Because he, I don't want him spilling anything on the oh. beautiful, like it wasn't one of those like hose down ones. It was really nice fabric. Nice, it yeah. was really nice. So I, I was traveling around before COVID interviewing companies, but once COVID hit, no one really wants to sit in a van with somebody, right? <laughs> and no one wants to sit in a van with a weird guy anyway, but you know, but- so I was traveling around through the, with the state of California. To Paris Hilton, to Vans. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's, it, goes, it goes down. In fact, I have a video on Paris Hilton Skincare that you should watch on youtube.com slash vambassador on Paris Hilton Skincare. And I, it, I talk about how she actually, uh, there was some science behind the brand. We really played up the science about it. It was actually an amazing overproduced product. And that's why it was also more costly. Because she wanted an amazing product and she wanted the price point to be nice. She also wanted her name on it another topic 
if you're doing something with a celebrity, it might be good to have a separate brand and just let people know that the celebrity supports it or is part of it. Like I think Honest, right, and others. Do not tie yourself to a celebrity in name if you can help it. Because then when that celebrity maybe moves on or if loses interest or their best friend's Fulanito wants to do a power bar and that's all they care about, you've got a brand to run. Try to do it. And you can't really sell it if you're, there's contractually challenges because you're tied to a person. Try not to tie yourself to a person. Right? So, for example, if you had it be, you know. But Dina. Oprah or O right. and right. things sure. like that. Which is hard to say no to an Oprah. I feel like Oprah's more committed from a business standpoint too than most other celebrities. So I, I'm not saying if you get Oprah, okay, fine, let her do what she wants. But if you, for example, I feel like there's A-listers and then there's global, like there's like, you know, the Michael Jacksons or the Oprahs of the world where they're like, but even Michael Jackson, I mean, like, you know, you might not want to. Right. Well, right. So exactly. If politically, if the person goes south, and in today's world, anything you say can really screw you up. Off. Why? Why not tie? Your, be a brand. It's everyone knows where who's backing these brands. So there's enough social you can do to say this celebrity is clearly behind this brand. But if someday something goes south, you, you're not stuck with oh, I've got my what is it, Kane West or whatever, like like you know, lip balm. It's like, well, it's harder to pivot on that one. <laughs> So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. I like that. So, Very cool. Vet, feel free. I would say treat influencers and celebrities, specifically celebrities, just like any business partner. Don't get wowed by the, their celebritydom. Analyze and ask them, what is your commitment from a business level? How much do you understand about a business level? If you don't, build a team around them, but make sure that contractually you're, they're engaged as much as you would do with any partner. And people get kind of wide-eyed and kind of a little bit excited about it and they forget so what do you think like in terms of the honest jessica alba's brand like we all think and know of it as her brand um and there's a lot of other brands too like that so is that was that her you know jessica alba's brand and honest honest beauty or is that another brand and it was a they brought her in to be like the face I can't, I don't remember, but I did at one point know this answer, but I think it was a brand that she launched. I don't remember. Somebody online probably correct me on this. But J-Lo, right? J-Lo right. glow skin. But that seems like That's, she's pretty invested because it's hers, it's her right? Name. Right. Of course. And she probably is an owner. She's not just kind of a promoter. There's okay. a very big difference, right? Yeah. Paris technically was an owner. She should have cared too. I mean, she did care. But, um, but if you have a brand, it's different to have an influencer support it. But even if you had an influencer support it, I feel, or be part owner, I think it's probably still beneficial. And the celebrity, like Jessica Alba, should recognize the value of having a brand that you can exit with. Because, for example, let's say in 10 years she decides, you know what, I want to exit this thing. I'll take my 300 million and I'm going to take a walk. Great. She can do it and she doesn't have to worry about it. But now, five years later, she no longer owns it. But Jessica Alba's all over the, it's Jessica Alba dot, you know, it's Jessica Alba's healthcare brand. That would be a bad thing for her because she's out. And she, then she's kind of like upset because you're doing something with her brand. So she doesn't want it. The brand doesn't want to be tied to her because maybe five years later when she doesn't own anything, she's still doing stuff. You have no control over it. Just make a third-party brand and rally around it. Interesting other tidbit around Honest, and I'm not saying this is true. It has to be verified. But sometimes celebrities, I shouldn't say about Honest, it's about anything. A celebrity will have a pet project, and they feel everyone in their life caters to their very immediate needs. So if there's a pet project, say, hey, you know what, I just met this awesome woman in Zimbabwe and I'm gonna do a whole program. I need $25 million because I'm gonna do it. And and you go down a rabbit hole with somebody on a pet project because a celebrity wants to do it and you you, you really waste a lot of money. You can do that. I've seen it happen. And that, 
And do you have any advice for, I mean, I feel like a lot of people that are listening would be like, wow, he's talking about how to like manage celebrities wanting to be a partner. But let's talk about, is that even a realistic thing? Like are, are celebrities actively looking for these things? Do you have a tip on how someone would even find or connect with a celebrity or uh, become in business with them in the first place? It's a great question. When we first started, it wasn't as, I think it wasn't as, as clear that all celebrities basically want their own brand. Like they've started to figure that part out. So it's, when we first started, it was like, well, let's go approach these people and say, hey, you know what? We can deal with the sourcing, the product development, the e-commerce. We can do all of it for you, and we just need your name and sign here. And celebrities are like, oh, I, I never thought of having my own lip balm company, but sure. Now, everybody realizes that's the real tip of the spear on your own revenue and your personal brand. So it is hard to find them. The good news for especially small and up-and-coming brands is the conversion rates are pretty low. The way I say, in general, the way I say it is if you walk into a party and there's a thousand people at that party and you say hello to, you, you're going to, you say hello individually to each one of those. This is, for example, my wife is a very one-on-one -on -one person. She will go to each person and have a conversation because she doesn't like talking to a group at once. I like, I, I crave attention. And so I'm very, you know, de demanding that. I will speak to the whole audience of a thousand. When I leave a party, no one really cares. When she leaves a party, at least 10 people will really care. So that's the kind of conversion. It's greater to have a direct engagement with 10 people who will care about you than say, oh yeah, great, Paris Hilton, not that this is specific to her, Paris Hilton, 44 million followers. If she says something, people, it kind of washes over you in certain cases, unless you have a personal, you feel like somehow you have a personal engagement with her. But in general, the wider your audience as an influencer, the less your engagement and therefore the less your conversion. So it's not necessary to, to find the biggest person. It's necessary to find the people who engage with you and are your brand ambassadors who care about you. That is a very good point. So I actually get denied for partnerships sometimes as a creator because I have 100,000 followers because I don't have all these comments mm -hmm. and all these like people DM me. My engagement is like people will call me and be like, whoa, I just saw this or hey, send me the link. It's very private. It's like, you know, I'm talking about sexual wellness. Like, no, there's not all these comments from people to see what other people are saying. And so I think like that's something a lot of brands aren't looking at and they're thinking, oh, I want all this engagement and likes and shares and all this stuff. But sometimes it's just people are seeing it, but they might be older. They might not be text, like leaving all these comments and stuff because for them, that's a waste of time. It's a, that's a great point, actually. And I'll say, Cassandra, this is like a thing. I was just talking to a brand last week that's, that's Axel, A-C-S-X-Y. <laughs> um, Axel and they do hair hair growth for women and they said you know what we can't do social media we can't really do Instagram because nobody wants to post about how they're losing their hair so it's just like when you go personal so that is that's a very good point actually you make that I haven't thought of which is you know how do you convey to a brand sponsor or an engager that you have engagement right somebody that you wants to engage but you can't it's it's not necessarily on the way that you that you would think you're not going to see it publicly well take some advice from all the new sex toy brands that are fucking blowing up just do it just tell everybody about it yeah and you go on the platforms where the creators are paid to talk about that a lot of people don't want to do that but there are people who would do it if you connect with them and they get into a contractual agreement that they'll show their hair before and after That's a good point. Uh, you know there are people to do that 
So that's, for example, that's a great point. Is the creators, everybody I'm speaking to now, instead of paying influencers, they pay creators, right? Which I guess... Yeah, UGC. Yeah. And they don't even need to post it on their page, which is another thing. Like, you don't want to post about your hair growth to your followers, but you're fine if it's someone, if another brand does it for them. It's actually really funny. People still have an issue where they're kind of obsessed blindly that, oh, well, what's the value if it's not on my channel? It's, it's better if it's on your channel. Have a third party talk about you. And so find a creator who's interested in doing it. Of course, you may still not get the people posting personally like, oh, I also have hair issues. But you get the creators and they work with their, their audience. And it's I, absolutely. Now, how do you attribute the return on that investment? It's really hard, obviously. You've got to have programs. Well, paid ads and then you're going to know right away. Sure. And you can use those ads for a year like most contracts are. You know, you, yeah. yeah, but on these platforms like Coley or whatever, um, I'm paid 700 or or $1,000 for a 30-second video that took me two hours to create and make and do voiceover on and all the, you know, copy. Usually they already have the copy and the hashtags, and then they take the video, and, yeah, they don't even tag me, right, and it's right. on their page, and it's doing well, and who knows? That, that could have brought in ten or twenty or $50,000. If they paid me that much, I'm kind of, like, not even worried about it. Exactly. And then they asked me again to do it again like do another one because obviously it paid off for them so i don't really know but it obviously works for some brands and they've figured it out yeah and i and i don't want to and i won't plug shopline but what shopline just in certain one of the things that they did was they started in asia and they're all about social commerce and social affiliate links so when you're inside the platform you can generate an instant individual affiliate link you send it out then you bring it back to a single dashboard whatever your platform is it doesn't matter if it's shopline or not Whatever the platform, you have to make sure that you're syncing up. And there's uh, some platforms have third-party tools you have to pay for. Some of them uh, have an embedded. Like you, what? Um, for example, you've got uh, a tools that are affiliate marketing based that will, um, you know, or you have like a Sam card or something like that you can use where it's a third-party landing page, and then they'll drive kind of engagement, and you'll have affiliate links. That's great. That can be expensive, a couple hundred dollars a month, depends on who you are. But you you want to make sure that you've got a program that's tracking that input and it's people are getting better at it but many times people are just so thankful someone's posting and they don't realize and then they can't figure out how to where to spend their money so you have to make sure you track back to your if you're doing d2c off your website or you're doing social that your affiliate links are all tracking back in a program not just a single affiliate that 15 people use each person has to have their own unique link and it's tough it's a tough it's a tough game you got especially today there's so many channels you have to sell through but but yeah, analyzing. We could talk about that at a whole nother session. Oh, I know. I was just going to say, 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Longer than what I thought we'd... And now I'm, I'm like, what do we title this episode? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Joshua. Um, love, you know, Shopline already. I haven't even been on there. <laughs> but I'm excited to, like, learn about more about what you're doing and these events that you have. You have said in L.A. and also New York. Yeah. Your partner's at World Trade. Like, yeah. It, and we actually have an event um, I'll put, at growbig.org. So November 6th, we have an event um, that's an open open office hours. So it's we're going to talk a little about social media, but for fashion brands. And this is online. Yes, online. Um, we should do one with yeah, just no, your audience, exclusively definitely. for your audience, about beauty brands. And we'll bring in some beauty brands themselves that are bigger and smaller. And then we'll bring people who specifically specialize in how do you launch and grow beauty brand audiences. I love that. that. We will. Okay, so the 7th, what oh, time? Oh, sorry, the 6th of November. 6th. Um, 
It's but I'll drop all that information yeah, and everything yeah, we yeah. talked about in the show notes. That one specifically for fashion brands, if you're a fashion brand, okay. but if your audience is more beauty brands, we need to come up with a date, man. Let's do it. Beauty and fashion go hand in hand, and that's yeah. why I work with a lot of fashion brands. Like, you can't have a magazine editorial. Like, my background is in makeup artistry. Like, you can't have fashion without beauty unless yeah. you're... Pam Anderson without makeup at Fashion Week, but that's random. Like, no, you have to have those things. You have to have jewelry. You ought to have accessories. So I think, you know, it's 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 one and the same for me. Um, well, thank you again for sitting down and um, taking time. And, and you said you're based in... I'm based in uh, New York. You can, I can tell. Yeah. You talk so fast. I'm like, slow I'm down. Um, like so the, for the people that listen at 2x speed, like you are going to be like, what <laughs> the fuck? Well, yeah, you don't even have to do 2x speed. <laughs> I, know. I know people, I, I like to, I don't want to waste any time. So I want to just give you the nuggets. No, and, I hear you, you know, but, but yeah. we, we, we sometimes will. talk so fast. We skip over mm-hmm. words and then people are like, Let's wait, just go slow. Um, I'm also, yeah. yeah, you say half words. Shop about, okay. Uh, <laughs> I've just discovered, you know, some of the gummies. So it took, uh, they'll slow me down. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what gummies? Well, like the, you know, the, the, I think, which is the one that slows Over you down? Here? No, not here in uh, New York. You're just marijuana gummies. But, but there's some that's, that get you paranoid and there's some that kind of like mellow you yeah. out and there's some that get you excited or something. I got to figure out which one. It's like a hybrid. So like Indica, Indica. Yeah, okay, yeah. Indico is in the couch. Okay, what's the other one? The other one's the S. Sativa, Sativa. I don't know. It's just Sativa like more, kind of more high energy. Yeah. I got to figure out which one I am. You need the in hybrid. Indica. There you go. Indica gets me paranoid, and then I like I feel yeah. <laughs> I keep trying to watch like one of the Batman movies with Indica, and I fall asleep in the middle, and I think everyone's Batman. I'm like really scared. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, thank you for all the fun talks and um, conversation. And um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, do you have an email or, or yeah, what's actually, the website where they to, should go? Sure. Well, if you go to shopline.com, that's cool for the platform. But honestly, for me, you go to growbig.org. And then do you have an Instagram? Uh, and I do. Van actually, is okay. my Instagram. It's V-A-N-B-A-S-S-A-D-O-R. So do you go around the country in your van still? Yeah. I mean, now I, I do. Is it outside? It's in, no, it's in Indiana right now. Okay. But I do go around, um, and then I'll, uh, now people are more comfortable with the van, right? Because COVID's not as threatening. Yeah. Um, but a lot of what I do now is if I'm on, become the brand. So I, I may not even have the van. Like here, I'm not, I don't have the van, but I may do an interview for Van Ambassador. The Van Ambassador story is a little bit more, it's 100% me, passion play, talking about, okay, you're a small brand. How do you stay local but go global yeah. through e-commerce? I love that. Okay. Can't wait to hear it. Um, thanks again. Thank you.